think it's really our job as members of this campus community to make sure that we are all accountable to each other. What can we do to be a better ally as BU students and as a BU community? Each group in the BU community felt that we could make some actionable and tangible steps to improve uh, that culture at Boston University. You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and know-how to supplement your doctoral studies. Thank you for joining us on this transition episode of Vitamin PhD from our teaching season. And we are so sad to say goodbye to y'all, but we are excited to introduce your next host. As a reminder, my name is Jenna Rindy and my co-host. everyone, Shanice Jacobs again. And we um, are so sad to say goodbye, but we're happy to talk with our new season host. So um, welcome both to the podcast. Can you please tell us about your background, um, introduce yourselves, and tell us how you got to your current position? Hi, everyone. My name is Allie Kreckmeyer. My full name is Alyssa, but I go by Allie. I'm a PhD candidate in my sixth year in American Studies out of Boston University. And I've had kind of a circuitous journey through a variety of jobs teaching all ages. So I began after college teaching through AmeriCorps in northern New Mexico. And and then from that, from teaching, got into managing arts education programs. And so I actually began my career by going on to pursue a master's in education at Harvard's Graduate School of Education and focused on cross-cultural exchange and dialogue, um, as well as engaged research methods. So um, that led me to teaching young people in a variety of community centers throughout Boston. And then afterwards, decided I wanted to continue my education back in the humanities. So I started the PhD program, and I'm now largely dissertating. So other than hosting this podcast um, and teaching occasionally, which I'll be happy to talk more about. My primary job is researching and writing my dissertation, which is an environmental history of air. I am Emma Bortz, and I'm a fourth-year PhD student in the biomedical engineering department at BU. And I started, I have a more traditional path to my PhD. I started in undergrad as a biomedical engineering major and decided to come straight to the PhD program. So I think the transition from undergrad to grad school was definitely an interesting one because you're going from being taught, taking classes, being like really stressed about studying all the time into, okay, now I need to focus on this research project and really learn how to teach myself, learning how to let other people teach me. So I study ultrasound neuromodulation, and that is how ultrasound can activate neurons. Ultrasound's really cool because it's a non-invasive um, method for, um, you can actually apply it through the skull and uh, activate neurons through the skull. And hopefully one day when we know more about this, it will, hopefully it will have some really interesting therapeutic indications. I know that it's been looked into for actually waking up disorders of consciousness. So it was shown in a few people in small human trial to actually help with reviving people into a, from a coma. And there's also potential applications in 
neurodegenerative diseases. Thank you both for the introduction and for doing the work that you do, because it's really incredible. You both come from different backgrounds, at least from what you mentioned when it comes to like teaching and your experience in the classroom. But I'd be curious, uh, are there any rewards or challenges that you've experienced with teaching or just kind of like managing students, managing classroom space, any of those topics that resonate with you? I think as I have taught now for about a decade, but in, in totally different contexts, right? I've taken college students abroad on trips. I've taken middle schoolers and high schools abroad. Um, I've taught in experiential outdoor settings. So um, not, not a ton of traditional classroom experience. Um, and then of course I've taught age groups ranging from adults in community settings to kindergarten to college undergrads, um, which is my favorite group. So all of that's to say that I think as I've bounced around and gained both a variety of experience in really different contexts, I've had a hard time knowing where to place myself career-wise um, and really enjoyed getting to know my students and their families. Um, and yet I found the strictures of the school district, especially with sort of increased testing and a lot of the challenges that school teachers face in a K-12 system to be exhausting and to get in the way of me teaching in the way I'd like to teach. Um, so in, in broad, I think that's been the biggest challenge for me is how to teach using the kinds of pedagogy and approaches that I value, that I think are most engaging and emancipatory, um, but to reach a wider array of students than tend to have access to those spaces. I think I've had a lot less experience than Allie with teaching. My teaching experience started in undergrad. I was a TA for the anatomy lab. So that was really fun, cadaver dissection. So that was really hands-on experience. and really exploring with the students. I think going into grad school and starting to do TAing, I started TAing in 2020. And so the onslaught of the pandemic really was a huge challenge. We had to figure out how to suddenly transition our class onto Zoom, how to do Zoom office hours, be actually helpful, and yeah, it was really, really difficult. And then the second year I TA'd, we were hybrid, which was actually even more difficult than being online because you have students and it was a lab course. So you have students in person struggling with a lab and then you have students at home who have their Zoom screen turned off and then they are you're like, are you there? <laughs> and sometimes they're really struggling and they just don't want to speak up. And so I think dealing with all of the logistics of virtual hybrid was really challenging and a really growing experience for me. Um, I would definitely recommend in-person teaching after that. For sure, me too. I definitely get that. Um, I also teach labs. I'm in the biology department. So I, I know what that was like and it's really hard, um, but I hear Ali, your your challenges as well and um yeah wow it's been really difficult um but that's that's pretty universal and that's definitely something that I know that our listeners want to hear because I just sometimes want someone to sympathize with me <laughs> so um thank you for sharing that and Ali I study uh air pollution mitigation using urban forestry so we can vibe let me know if you have any like history that you need to share with me because I would love to know but I mean yes we've all had some challenges uh we all have different courses that we teach 
Shawnee's has had different challenges than I have because she's not in biology, but we also have really rewarding parts of our jobs too. And in your position, particularly in terms of the teaching components, but really like hit us with anything, what has been the most rewarding um, experiences for you? I think some of the most rewarding moments um, when teaching have come through some of the mentoring that I've done in lab. I've picked up quite a few undergrad students and fellow grad students. And um, I think that when something works in research and it's someone that you are mentoring, it's just really exciting. And to see someone get excited about research and um, know that you helped them get excited is a really rewarding experience. So I think that's been some of my most rewarding moments. I also had, after I TA'd, I had one student who messaged me and said, I just want to thank you so much for your hard work. And like, we really appreciate all of your help. So I think that type of thing as well, the validation that you are actually making a difference, especially after we went virtual and people became just like faces on a screen. I think knowing that even though it was hard, people still appreciated it was also very rewarding. That was really well said. And I am also thinking about the role of mentorship. So I'll start there that I think building relationships and being able to mentor students when that arises through the classroom and then through ongoing relationships afterwards, whether that's sort of counseling about graduate school or professional trajectories or writing letters of recommendation um, is certainly the most fulfilling aspect of this for me, especially when you run into them years later and have them recognize you or remember, be able to check in. Um, it's just incredibly meaningful. And I'll also say that getting students to light up about something that they were never inclined you know, inclined to before is also really exciting. I can think about um, being on an experiential trip, actually in Cuba, a student who like, identified as like a city person, not into the outdoors at all. And we took a little hike as part of the, as one of the tours. And, and this kid just lit up, you know, it was like, he, he was never someone who described himself this way. I don't think he had a lot of experience out in green spaces um, or was interested in that and, and was just like totally taken. So I think that moment of seeing a student fall in love with something that you care about, but maybe they weren't um, aware of earlier is, is also a really powerful experience. That's brilliant. Uh, one of the questions that we asked each of our guests was, um, who is someone who has been influential to your teaching? So to hear both of you talk about mentorship and to think that there will be students years from now who will reference both of you in some capacity that you had a positive experience on their learning and how they've been able to develop into their careers is really heartwarming. So thank you both for, for that. Uh, our final question in terms of our set of what we asked was, uh, if, you if there's one thing you wish you knew before you got in your position, what advice would you give yourself? I'm thinking actually about something that you said earlier, Emma, and I'm going to start there, thinking more about the doing a doctorate part of this, more so than the teaching part, which is the importance of developing the skills and organizational structures that you need to motivate yourself and to get work done without the kind of accountability or support. I think a lot as I'm transitioning to the job market and looking at what's next about the ways in which um, should I end up outside of academia, like how is a PhD useful? But for me, I've been really heartened to feel like any kind of job I find myself in that requires 
self-motivation, intrinsic motivation, the ability to make up a program plan out of nowhere, right? To create deadlines, to make work happen is actually a tremendous skill that I think um, it really can't be overstated and is absolutely crucial to making your way through a program um, and writing and completing your dissertation and, and your doctorate. One piece of advice that I started with but improved on that's been really helpful to me is the willingness to reach out to folks. Several people in my program have been like, you're so bold because I'll email, you know, the, the leading scholar of X field. And, and I have just approached it with the mindset of like, if they're busy and you don't get back to me, no worries. We're all drowning in email, but, but why not try, you know, and say, Hey, I admire your work. I'm working on this. Um, so that the importance of not only sort of having self-motivation to get your work done, but being willing to reach out to folks um, and just, have conversations. The great thing about academics is that if you have a genuine question about your field or something someone's written, more often than not, in my experience, they're excited to talk to you about it, right? Because that's their work in the world. I would just say the importance of faculty was something that I hadn't really understood. So making sure that you um, develop good rapport with your advisor and your committee um, and are thinking really carefully about the kinds of relationships that you'll need and want moving forward. Last, I'll say on this in terms of advising, which is also something we talk a lot on this podcast about, um, is there are so many different styles. And I think similar to being willing to cast away net to have conversations with folks, being willing to develop a variety of mentors, you know, and so maybe someone um, is really helpful when it comes to thinking about professional development and you have other folks who help you with the conceptual ideas and other folks who help you line at it, like being able to kind of think about farming out the different kinds of support that you need to develop your work strongly and um, pulling together kind of a team of mentors and colleagues as well that can support you as you're making your way. I love that. And I do think that your points about reaching out to people are so important for new students to know. Um, as a student, you are are in a really special place where people really want to interface with you. They want to talk to you. And if you're excited about their work, they're going to be so excited. Um, I think for me that what I wish I would have known before starting my PhD was not to be scared of things that seem like I can't do them. Um, I think in a highly technical PhD like biomedical engineering, I looked at what a lot of the labs were doing. And when I was planning my rotations, I was just like, oh, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can ever do that. And I wish I could have just told myself, you know what, you'll learn and you'll figure it out. The stuff that I'm doing now, I would never have thought that I would have been able to like set up some like microscope system and like understand how a camera works and now I'm starting to learn. And that's like what a PhD is about is learning how to do things that seem really, really hard. So I think if I had had a little more confidence in myself um, from the beginning that I will learn, that would have been nice. Give yourself a break. You're, you're good. You're smart. You're here. I just have to say learning how to do things that seem really, really hard is my new favorite definition of what a doctor entails. So thank you for that, Emma. That's the stuff we need to hear though, right? I think I think a lot of being in PhD programs is so focused on being professional and being uh, put together and presenting yourself in a way that uh, people are going to immediately like uh, think very highly of you and respect you, which is all super important, obviously. But there, we also need to hear 
the the realistic side of what we're feeling and what we're doing. And I think you both really brought that to the table. And I just appreciate so much of what you've given us today. And we are so excited that you are going to be giving us this management and leadership season. And I'm wondering if maybe one of you can give us a intro to your season. So Ali and I, um, when we approached this season, we were really interested in starting from how leadership starts from the inside. And so we first start with metacognition and really learning how to self-reflect and the benefits of self-reflection and um, how that can make you a better leader. And then we move over the course of the season from the individual internal parts of leadership to really institutional leadership and um, finally like practical leadership, how people use leadership in their jobs. So we really hope that throughout the journey of this season, you get a full picture of what it means to be a good leader, what barriers are currently in place in institutions for things like uh, gender, racial inequities in STEM. Um, we also touch on how to approach difficult conversations and really hope really think that there's something for everyone of value in these conversations. Is that good? Did I miss anything, Allie? <laughs> no, that sounds great. So can you also tell our listeners a little bit about how you feel our teaching season might be synergistic with your management and leadership season? We're really interested to hear from you on that. So um, I'm going to start by talking about the aspects of this that most specifically address leadership and then those that address management. But as Emma so eloquently put it, we really um, kind of blew up the categories and went in a lot of different directions and took this very broadly. And so in that way, I think there will be some unexpected resonances with what you all were talking about um, this, this season about teaching. So as Emma mentioned, this idea of self-awareness in terms of the leadership sphere, um, sort of knowing who you are and how you work well, I feel like is crucial in a classroom. Showing up at the front of the room in the clothes that make you feel like yourself, right? Using a tone that makes you feel like yourself. Those are tips for teaching that I have found really crucial that if I try to put on some kind of persona, I don't do as well if I'm a little bit too concerned that you have to kind of get comfortable in your skin and know who you are and teach from that place to be successful. And we find that with leadership as well. So we dig into that a bit. We also dig into difference, which is of course crucial when you're thinking about teaching. Um, what does it mean to work with a group that comes from all sorts of different uh, backgrounds, different identities, how to acknowledge the difference sitting in a room and still build a kind of collective approach to learning and growing together. That's a big part of our season about thinking about leadership, as is working with people, building relationships, facilitating meetings or managing people well really requires attention to how to build community and um, how to work with and get along with folks who might be different from you. We also talk about something um, going from the specific to the general, and this is now shifting to thinking about management especially, but the ways in which a PhD might train you to be highly technical in one area. And yet, if you're working in project management, 
you have to kind of be able to work with folks with different backgrounds, you know, ask for help, rely on people who have a certain kind of technical expertise, but also be willing to jump in and, and teach yourself about something that's outside of your field in a way that might quite frankly be seen as irresponsible as an academic, um, that in different fields, that ability to try on different things, to teach yourself, to work across different, um, different fields and, and bodies of knowledge is really crucial. As Emma described, this move from thinking about the individual to the collective and then to institutions, we really get into interdisciplinarity and the challenge of, of innovation and of creativity and of how that plays a role when we're managing projects, whether it's your own dissertation or in a position as a project manager in a professional field after you finish your studies as well as how do we work within and to improve institutions. And um, so that questions of how to create diverse inclusive classrooms, brave classrooms, how to um, generate the kind of community within your own classroom that you wish to see reflected in, in the institution. And that issue, those questions of making positive social change or improving institutions um, that you're working within comes up in, in one of our episodes, which we're excited to share with you. So Allie is actually going to host both seasons now teaching and management and leadership because you just did a much better job than we did over seven episodes. That was, that's incredible. Um, I love the overlap, but I also love the ways that there are so many distinct characteristics and principles and skills that can come out of both uh, both seasons. So I really hope that our listeners just gain a lot of amazing information, both within the program and also as we exit the space of BU and go out into the world and start entering our vocations. Um, so with this, we would like to turn it over to the two of you. Are there any questions that you have? Anything else that you'd like to amplify? Uh, we've been doing a lot of asking, so we want to give you that microphone as well. What was your favorite moment from your season? <laughs> Working with Shawnice has been like mm, the best part. <laughs> uh, we always say that uh, one of the best things that came out of our education at BU was uh, us meeting each other. Um, but um, I also really enjoyed um, our guests were very I don't know very diverse and very uh, I love when they were like super honest about their positions and the pros and cons and some of them brought up some incredibly important components of teaching that no one is generally brave enough to talk about and I think those are some of our most interesting episodes when they, where our guests straight up are like private schools um, are like we're gatekeeping private schools. And I, as if I were a mother, I would be able to send my child to a school that I work at. Um, and talking about teaching um, evaluations and how they're unfair. And there's just, there was just so much honesty. Well, I do second our friendship. It's been beautiful. Um, definitely the highlight of the season, truly. And I think second to that um, has been hearing the different ways that social justice, um, social justice is played out in everyone's teaching. And by that, I mean, every person who we had the privilege of speaking with found some kind of way that they can show up and create equity in the classroom. And they also, very few of them actually took a traditional route into teaching. There were so many different lived experiences that they had that they were then able to bring into the classroom. And I think in a changing higher ed culture, especially one where higher ed doesn't know what it will look like in the next five or 10 years. I think the pandemic has greatly shifted uh, what classroom space could and should look like and also 
who's going to get on board with that or not. It was very powerful to hear the ways that every single guest found a way to bring people into, um, into the subject matter, into the classroom, into the conversations without forcing anything. And mind you, there were failures and there were successes with that, and they were very honest with it, but there was something very powerful about saying, the ways we've been teaching have been inequitable for many people and there are ways that we want to show up differently and it was i think that was consistent across every single uh, guest that we had so that made that theme actually would be my highlight thank you for your questions i love talking about it the last thing that we generally do in our episodes is ask if there's anything that our guests want to plug so do you have any um, Twitter handles or anything that you really want listeners to go check out. This takes us into a new route because it's more about my research, um, but I would do a brief shout out for a blog called Environmental History Now, which just actually won an award. Very excited for our team. Um, and it's a blog that was started by a BU history PhD who's now defended, um, Elizabeth Mitman. The role of the platform is to expand diversity in a field um, that is still predominantly masculine and white. Um, and so we work really hard to showcase different voices and then really different approaches to environmental history. So the blog is Environmental History Now. Um, give it, check it out. It, it features not just history, but folks coming from geography and some reflections on field notes and research methodologies. Um, so you might find something interesting there regardless of your background. The way that I became involved with vitamin PhD was through GYs, which is the Graduate Women in Science and Engineering student organization at BU. And in GYs, I am running the mentoring program um, where we connect graduate women with undergraduate women in STEM. Amazing. Thank you. We will put GYs and uh, the Environmental History Now blog in the show notes so that anyone listening can go find that. We also just really appreciate you talking with us and we are so excited to hear your season. Shanice, do you have any final thoughts or do you, Emma, or Ali have any final thoughts? No, just thanks for taking the time and um, speaking with us today. It's been wonderful to connect with another, another host pair. Agreed. It's really fun to see how everyone puts a different spin on the podcast when someone said, oh, just go make a podcast. So really, really nice to meet both of you and hope to see you around. Be you. Absolutely. I second everything. It was a wonderful conversation. Thank you again for listening to the last episode of the teaching season of Vitamin PhD, preparing for the management and leadership season with guest Ali Kreikmeyer, who is a PhD candidate studying cultural and environmental history of the North American West, and Emma Bortz, who is a biomedical engineering PhD candidate at BU. You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and know-how to supplement your doctoral studies.